What's up, champs? Welcome back to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Keeping Carlson Podcast Network. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing on this fine evening? Doing great. Can't wait to get the show started. Uh, just very excited to get jumping into this here. Well, you're going to have to wait a second, Lewis, because I have to address the drama that's going down in the short shifts Keeping Carlson Discord group, where I am being, I would say, I would say I'm being canceled. The woke mob is, I'm just joking, uh, but I am being called out for my, my poor pronunciation of Pavel Buchnevich, which I, which I have said correctly. I have pronounced the H in Buchnevich. For the first time, and in doing, I am extending the challenge to our good pal Elon and Brian over at Keeping Carlson. I want to hear them, now that I'm nailing down Buchnevich at their request, I want to make sure that they're nailing down Martin Natchez moving forward. Let's get it going. You know, let's work together. Let's grow. Let's build back better. What do you think about that, Lewis? Natchez. Yes, Natchez. absolutely. And then uh, how about Zegris next? Sure. Isn't yeah, that I, your, I, isn't that one of your faves? I was gonna say. I thought you were gonna bring up Rope. Nobody, nobody says Rope anymore. It's all Rupe on podcast. Then you watch the game. Everybody's saying Rope. I always thought it was like rupees, like what you collect from, uh, you know, when you're playing Zelda. Yes, I'm sure it's rupee hints uh, named for the currency in Zelda. Of course, absolutely. His younger brother Ganondorf uh, was running around. <laughs> anyway, Lewis, let's uh, let's stop bantering for the sake of our listeners and jump right into the show. As you said, what do you want to talk about next, uh, or what do you want to talk about first? In fact, all right. Well, I know that you know we don't want to spend too much time talking about people that we just talked about, but there is some important uh, deployment news that we wanted to point out, which I'm sure many people saw. We talked about Kadri last episode, but he finally saw that Power Play 1 deployment uh, in the most recent game produced a goal and two assists all on the Power Play against Vancouver. Of course, Vancouver has a pretty crummy PK. We saw Jim Benning today uh, openly and loudly complaining about that PK uh, inability to stop the opponent. Um, so, you know, uh, keep taking with a grain of salt here. But that's really plum deployment. That should help mitigate the inevitable regression in Kadri's numbers, if not stave them off for a while entirely. He's going to regress, but that doesn't mean that he's not valuable. Uh, his ownership is jumping double digits every day, so get in if you still can. So you think that this is this is sticking? You don't think he's there's a chance he's moving off that top unit? I don't know why you would move him off after a three-point performance. You know, we could see it happen again. You know, maybe it was just one outburst against Vancouver, but I would say at least for the next couple games, I imagine they're going to stick with what's working. Yes, I, I think that makes sense. And uh, I when when I saw that you were bringing up Kadri again, I wanted to look at sort of where his ownership rate is to sort of see what level of, of league you would probably be wanting to make a move. And there are a few guys like uh, Martin Natchez, who we just mentioned, Connor Garland, Jamie Ben, Andrew Mangiapani, Radulov, Burakovsky. These are guys who are owned in more leagues than Nazem Kadri. If you are rostering one of those guys and not Kadri, that's an easy switch for me. Uh, but obviously, hit us at uh, shortshifts underscore KK on Twitter if you want to ask us about who you could drop to get Nazem on the squad. No underscore there, BB. Just at shortshifts KK. Uh, you had Mangiapane on that list. That's the only one where I might be a little hesitant, just because the dude continues to pour it on. I believe he has two ga goals here on Thursday night. So uh, just one that maybe would 
take some time to to consider. You wouldn't drop Mangiapani for Kadri. You're the you're the Kadri poster boy. I'm just saying. I think people are going to have some reservations about it after his performance here this evening. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, not a tough one for me is all I'm saying. I would be. I would make that swap in a heartbeat. Let's jump right to Montreal next, Lewis. We have to talk about the return of the goat. Cole Caulfield never said a bad word about him on this show. I'm just kidding. Uh, Caulfield has been called back up to Montreal after putting up two goals and three assists in six games with Laval. I know that we're not, uh, as a fantasy hockey podcast, I may get my credentials pulled for saying this, but he also had a minus five in those six games played. Um, The interesting thing here is that with Mike Hoffman out of the picture, there is a power play opportunity for Caulfield. I have a question for you here, Lewis. Do you want to call your shot and say, go and grab him? I remember when he got sent down, you were saying when when the moment strikes, when he comes back, that's when you kind of have to make your call, go in and get him. Are you are you going to call that shot now? So I would say my bottom roster player right now is Jeff Carter moved down to center two after the return of Crosby. He is still getting that power play one time. That's the guy I think I'm closest to dropping here or maybe a goalie that we'll talk about a little later. I had the opportunity. I have not gone with it. He did get five points uh, with the Rockets down there. Uh, and I think it's great that he does have this power play opportunity. Uh, this was another one kind of like Prunovic that we talked about last show where I wanted to wait and see if nobody ran and grabbed him immediately, which is what happened. Uh, and right now they are just getting bulldozed by the pens. It's 5 nothing after two periods. Obviously, you will have a better update on this game as to whether he scored, but I imagine he might be lying around on waiver wires for a little while longer. Lots of people went out to Adam because you got to get that shiny new object. I think he was the second most added player on Yahoo today. But yes, I I would say that there are a lot of leagues where he's not getting snapped up. And part of that is just that the Habs have a pretty uninspiring schedule the next few weeks. And there are a lot of a lot of heavy nights of of action the next few weeks. Uh, next week, if you're looking ahead to the schedule, you might see a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule and think, oh, Stream Agami, that's great, four off-night games. Unfortunately, Wednesday and Friday have basically a completely full slate. There are no games on Thursday due to American Thanksgiving. So just if you are if you are running to the waiver wire to add anyone over the next few Next few days, I think that you just need to make sure, look ahead, see what you can fit into your roster, and make sure that if you're adding a guy like Caulfield, that he's not just going to be sitting on your bench every single game. Uh, Lewis, I want to, I do want to follow up on another item that we had on the Tuesday show, and that is how the Florida Panthers are looking since in the wake of the Alec Barkov injury. We now know that Barkov is out week to week, but he did avoid surgery, which is a sigh of relief, I suspect, for most. Barkov managers. Uh, Without him in the lineup, we have Huberto, Bennett, and Anthony the Duke Duclair on line one. And line two is seeing uh, Carter Verhage and Sam Reinhart being centered by Anton Lundell. And it's that top line of Huberto, Bennett, and Duke with Reinhart on power play one. This team scored six on the Islanders on Tuesday, but only two of those were after Barkov left. I thought maybe, uh, maybe they won't, you know, go crazy on, uh, 
uh, on New Jersey tonight on Thursday night, but they've got four goals through two periods already. So I think that the offense is humming along just fine. I definitely think this is a bit of a downgrade for the entire power play. But when I went to look at Florida's power play numbers this year, I found out they're already fifth worst in expected goals on the power play this year, which is a number I never would have. I would have not put them in the bottom five. That's for certain. Uh, I doubt that it gets like much worse for Florida just because how bad can it really get with a power play with as much firepower as it has? Maybe there's something to the passing structure that could be improved. I, I obviously I'm not a tactical coach guy, but I think this is a good look for Huberto, who's now going to have to carry the load and has typically seen lower time on ice rates uh, than Barkov. Bennett is a guy who's really interesting centering that top unit. Just two points in his last seven games. We consider talking about him for a cold streak, but it's hard to want to put him in that tier when we haven't really seen what he can do in the top line, top power play role that he now has. The deployment can't get much better, so I think there is room for a turnaround, especially if you're in a multi-categories league where you can kind of at least be riding the, the shots and the hits. The Duke as a power play one line one guy to me is a must hold. And then it's a really interesting spot for Anton Lundell as well. The rookie, an interesting option in deep leagues now that he's likely to see top six minutes for the foreseeable, though Florida also has a bit of that Montreal bad schedulitis coming up. The one player who I'm a bit bummed out for, and he already scored a goal tonight, so maybe I'm worried too much about it or, or thinking uh, I'm thinking myself into, into some stress, but it does seem like this could be a problem for Carter Verhage. It's interesting to see how he'll do without Barkov. He has 13 points in 16 games, even though he's averaging one shot per game less than he did last year, down from two and a half to one and a half. So that's something that's worth watching. Maybe Barkov being out means that the shot rates will go up. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Like I said, the Panthers have no off night games for the next few weeks. So I am not dropping Carter Verhage in shallower leagues, but just because of the, the loss of Barkov and the lack of power play one, he's kind of on my radar and I'll probably have a shorter leash with him than I usually would if he does struggle for a few games. Yeah, I think that's a a fine approach. You know, you want to make sure that you are maximizing those spots. And if he is not getting the kind of deployment that he was used to, you know, that could be potentially problematic. Slim Michael Clifford at Slim Cliffy on Twitter uh, had in the Dauber write up uh, his ramblings talked about the Panthers and kind of how surprising it is to see uh, the amount of spread that we've had for the scoring. Like it hasn't really been falling as much as we expected on, you know, that really strong top six. Uh, and, you know, um, just interesting to maybe keep an eye on E2 Lusterainen. I hope I, I did okay on that one. Um, but that's another guy. He's third line center right now, but he's been up and down the lineup a little bit and he's been quite productive from that spot too. So if you're in a really deep league, that might be a guy who could pique your interest potentially. I think you're supposed to Shakespeareify that name. I think it's A2. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Lewis, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of players who have been hot, hot, hot. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, my friend, why don't you start us off with our streak section for tonight's show? All right. So I want to start with a couple goalies who, you know, we're sort of trying to figure out what the hierarchy is going to look over there. We feel like they are part of tandems, but uh, I've kind of been on opposite ends. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, 
uh, kind of on the outside looking in and Jonathan Quick looking to establish himself as potentially a true number one. So this was really interesting to watch them go head to head and both had outstanding performances, allowing only one goal between them. The second goal against the Kings was an empty netter. Let's start with Sam Sonov, uh, just to sort of say that I shook my magic eight ball on the Washington goalies and it said, answer hazy, ask again later. Sam Sonov's shutout of the Kings was a very nice outing. It certainly improves his outlook in the battle for starts with Vanacek. This is a, a ask again in two weeks kind of question uh, as that goes back and forth. But Quick was also outstanding, allowing just one goal on 37 shots. It really took a series of crazy bounces to beat him, and he seems like a pretty clear number one at this point. You know, I've heard folks saying, well, they didn't pay all that money to Peterson to have him be a backup, but I would remind those people that they are paying Quick more, at least in terms of cap hit, and they want to win games. Uh, so until they start losing games on account of Quick, uh, which certainly wasn't the case here, although they lost, uh, I think Quick is going to keep getting about two-thirds of the starts. Yeah, I don't see why you would bench Jonathan Quick, but I also know, Lewis, that you are holding on to both Quick and Peterson in the Cupful, a league where the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, uh, which I have to differentiate because we have received more and more folks thinking that we're saying the Cupful, uh, which is not a word. But I know you're holding on to Peterson. It's really hard to hold on to the kid when he's not getting any starts. Are you ready to call him a snoozer, Lewis? I got to know. So I think I am snoozing by having him on my roster, but uh, I am holding on to him for a reason because they do have a back-to-back this weekend, and one of them is going to get the start against Arizona. I really want to squeeze that start out first. I would love if Peterson played Saturday and Quick played Sunday. I doubt it's going to happen that way, but it would be nice so that I could then drop Peterson for a streamer. Uh, It does seem like it's going to be a close match. I'm very sad to be missing Yossi and Duchesne and Saros here on Thursday evening. So uh, it might be closer than it needs to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, dropping Peterson, but you know, maybe something crazy happens this weekend and, and it changes my, my outlook or the conventional wisdom on this pair. Um, but as of Thursday night, my thinking is uh, Peterson will be available on the waiver wire in Cupful Tier 1 before too long. I have to say, like, I think that the thing with Peterson initially, for me, I had him in a league where I also grabbed quick. I think that everyone was really slow to quick because nobody wanted to believe that he was for real. And I think the reason why people are slow on dropping Peterson is mainly because they're just terrified that it's going to flip at the drop of a hat. I don't see a scenario where... Peterson just becomes the volume starter again right away. You know what I mean? Like, even if he goes for a, a like a 40 save shutout, I'm guessing that they're going to go back to quick just because he's been so good and so consistent for so long. So I kind of have a lot more leash to drop a guy like Peterson, who I had high, high hopes for and still do in a career sense. And if, if quick got hurt, I think that Peterson's one of the better handcuffs that exists. But I think that your opponents are going to be slower to pick up Peterson because the market has moved and people are now starting to believe that Johnny Quick is the starter because he is the starter. Yeah, you know, that handful of rings, I'm sure, does a lot of talking in the locker room, too. So uh, that's got to help out. We don't have to talk about that 2014 Stanley Cup run ever again on the short shifts. It did not happen. Lewis, I want to hop over just a... You know what? I'm from Canada, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to travel south of California, uh, further south in California to Anaheim. Am I right? Is Anaheim south of L.A.? Uh, 
That's a good question. We both don't know, so I don't have to feel bad. Let's talk about Trevor Zegras, a player who you mentioned earlier. uh, Four goals and an assist in his last two games, playing line two with Sonny Milano, with whom he's found some nice chemistry the past few weeks, and Nicholas Delorier. He's also getting power play one deployment with Getzlaff, Jakob Silverberg, and Mason McTavish. He's got 10 points to the first 15 games of the season. A 55-point pace, not bad at all for a rookie. He's obviously not going to score four on every six shots moving forward. Everybody knows that. But it is really good to see him getting that power play deployment and to see him putting up three shots each of the last two games. That's kind of what you want to see when a player goes from being a high-end prospect into being an impact player on your fantasy roster, especially in one-year leagues. You know what I mean? Like You're obviously going to have more of a rope for Zegras in a keeper league. But on a in a one-year league, it's just really nice to know that he is going out there and going to be able to put up shots for you now. Um, the one thing that kind of works against him is that he's been sub-14 minutes the last two games. Typically, you know, if we're talking about a veteran, it's easy to say uh, it's unsustainable, like he's going to – the production's going to go away soon. But he's just such a highly touted prospect that I'm really not that worried about sustainability in the same way that I would be for your average second liner who goes on a heater. He has to be owned in keeper leagues. He should probably be rostered speculatively in deeper one years because if he pops off over the next 60 games, he could make a really big difference for your fantasy team with the acquisition cost. So I'm into Trevor Zegras, even though I do think that his most recent numbers, uh, I'm not yet ready to buy in wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The only thing that I'll add is it, I think part of his kind of slower start has been that he <laughs> has spent some of his time uh just out there kind of getting pummeled. He he, you know, wasn't missing a ton of time, but like he was getting hurt or banged up in a lot of these games and I think the the physical toll uh, took a little bit out of him too. So that might be something to keep in mind. He might be able to pick it up a little bit as he starts to feel a little better as long as he can, you know, keep some of that weight off of, you know, from the other side, squashing him on the boards. Wouldn't you be more worried if if it's about wear and tear, if it's about usage, wouldn't you be more worried about him potentially hitting the rookie wall? That would be my concern. I suppose that's another way to look at it. Um, you know, I, I guess my thinking is like he really hasn't gotten his opportunity to put himself out there at 100%. And if that's the case, then maybe he's got a little more to show us that we haven't seen, I guess is my thinking. I mean, I, do, I think we both agree. He's got a lot more than we've seen so far. But the question is, is it going to come this year? Or are we going to have to wait a little bit longer? I think we're both in agreement that there are some interesting signs that we're definitely watching closely. Uh, Lewis, why don't you take us on to our next streak? Sure. Speaking of someone who took a little while to get online, I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence from Marc-Andre Fleury, who now has racked up three straight wins, uh, during which he has allowed as many goals, five, in those as he did in his preceding start against Winnipeg. Uh, he's still not getting a ton of help defensively. He really had to be great to keep Seattle off the board for as long as he did, including some really spectacular individual efforts. Um, you know, I was just perusing through uh, the NHL GIFs uh, Twitter feed, and he just made some ridiculous saves, some against my players. I was a little sad to see. Uh, but he stopped 40, 21, and 29 shots in his last three starts. Uh, it is worth cautioning they came against a Pittsburgh team that was struggling up until Thursday night here, as well as Arizona uh, and the Kraken. Um, just as another side note on a player we discussed last week, Jordan Everly managed to keep his point streak going despite uh, MAF's efforts, so he's now up to nine points in his last six games. 
Flurry is going to face Edmonton, Calgary, and St. Louis in the next four-game stretch, and it's very possible that Lankanen could take the Vancouver start on the second half of this weekend's back-to-back. Uh, so before we get too excited and declare Marc-Andre Fleury fully rehabbed, uh, I think that we should see how he does against those more potent offenses. All right, Lewis, I'm going to take us to our final hot streak of the evening. And shouts out to patron Brett in the Keeping Carlson Discord group for requesting this one. Matt Barzell. Uh, Brett wrote, shots are up, but he's not scoring at a higher pace than last season. The assist rates are down. His minutes are all over the place. What can we realistically expect from Barzell rest of season? We're seeing a 50-point 50, a 50 pace at the moment, which is 18 below his three-year average. And uh, Brett's right. I mean, Barzal's been surprisingly mediocre. Trotz may have noticed as well. Uh, Barzal played a season-low 14-11 on Tuesday, which was his lowest time on ice in a game since 2019. The shot rates do look good, like Brett mentioned. He's up to three per game, which is about half a shot above his career average, which... You know, you love to see it, but typically what you want to see is a guy converting on more of those chances. And the issue with Barzell is he's just not a high-rate converter. He is seeing an uptick in his individual expected goals for, which is positive, but I would say just based on the danger of Barzell's shot through his career, it means that he's more likely to approach the high 20s, you know, like 28, rather than be around the 22, 23 we may have expected in terms of goal output. Uh, What's really in the way of his breakout, though, into that point-per-game player you could picture him being when you watch him play. I mean, he looks like a guy who should be in the Art Ross race every year, but that Isles power play, oh boy. Barzell has just one point on the man advantage this season in 13 games. Combined with his power play pace last year, if we took that and extrapolated over a full season, he's pacing for just 11 power play points over a full year. Part of that is bad percentages luck. You know, he's got low on ice shooting percentage, but ultimately I think it's just pretty clear. You look at the you look at the players, you look at the results over several years. It looks like Nashville, right? It looks like Philip Forsberg trying to do something with nothing on that Nashville power play for all those years. And the Isles are bottom five in expected goals for per 60, just below the aforementioned terrible Florida Panthers power play, which I think we can all agree we would expect to be doing a lot better than the Isles. I do think we get some positive regression here at even strength and on the power play, but that power play ceiling is is severely capped, and I, I just can't see Barzell hitting that, 70, that 67, that 70-point pace that we may have been hoping for, and I think that Barzell drafters are always kind of hoping this is the year where he you know you hit dynamite and and one of these years I really do feel like you're going to take that swing on Barzal he's going to be a point per game guy you're going to be laughing but I don't think it's this year and I think that if things stay this dire on the power play we could be looking at a player who's more likely to finish in the 60 to 65 point range which is a bit of a yikes I'd have to say I would be holding Barzell because of his current output limiting what you're likely to get in a trade maybe if you're in a more shallow league you could drop Barzell I do think you know it would be tough to drop him for Kadri because of the deployment I'm expecting long term through the season but you know it's not out of the ordinary that you could drop him for Kadri and try and get Barzell back when he does start to put it together in some leagues 
Uh, if you could get a 70-point-plus guy or maybe even a 65-point guy who scores more than Barzell, scores 35 goals a year, I'm taking that and running. Yeah, great research on, on that uh, Barzell piece. I, I know that uh, the patrons will appreciate it. You know, I, I just, you know, the only thing that I will add is that I think we should stop waiting for something to change. I think the Isles power play is what we think it is. If it's not going to change personnel, let's stop pretending that things are going to change when nothing has changed. You know what I mean? I think we just have to, to admit that this is what we should expect from a power play. This is a team that can, you know, or at least theoretically, uh, can really, you know, uh, stop things defensively and and maybe they'll have a little bit of a better chance when they're off this insanely long road trip that they've been on as their new stadium gets finished up but anyone who is still hoping for change on that power play i think is is maybe fooling themselves a little bit abandon all hope ye who enter long island right lewis that is all the time that we have for this evening's episode of the show uh for myself thank you so much for listening can you sign us on out of here buddy absolutely thanks as always for joining us please be sure to give us a follow on twitter at short shifts kk we've been super active lately lately taking all kinds of great questions sit start stuff trade ideas all of it uh brian and elon of course can be found at keeping carlson dave Benton at the stream scheme at nhl stream scheme tag us all we can fight over giving you the best answer visit the great sites that we research our episodes with at yahoo frozen tools natural stature and cuckupful.com our intro and outro music was created by pat roach and until we see you next time play smart and keep Keep your shifts short.